Thank you very much, Sarah. Good morning, everyone. Let me add my welcome to Warwick, both to those online and those in the building. Great to be together this morning. Um, this morning, as Warwick has said, we're starting this new series on whole life worship. Um, and we're beginning with a bit of a taster session this morning, uh, which will set us up for the next four or five weeks. And if you, if you leave this morning uh, thinking, I wish Ollie had said more on that, don't worry, it's coming in future weeks, okay? Um, now, a really good place to start the series uh, with is that word, worship. What does that even mean? And, and what comes to, to mind when you hear the word worship? Outside of church, I wonder how often we even use it or even think about it. So if you feel comfortable doing so, please turn to someone near you and try and share with each other what you think of when you hear the word worship. What, I've missed the word do. What do you think of when you hear the word worship? Turn to someone now if you feel comfortable to do so. Yeah, great. If you could uh, just bring those conversations uh, to a close. So, so I wonder what came up in your conversations. Uh, so hands up if you, if you said something like singing or praising. Yeah, there's a few people who said singing or praising. What about um, living for God? Anyone say living for God? Yes, a few of them. Uh, what about um, the idea of bowing down or reverence? Living of worship. Yes, great. A couple of people. Um, what about being used to address, address maybe a high-ranking member of society? Your worship. Oh, yep, someone at the back. Yeah, a few. Um, or what about celebrity worship or kind of sports stars or that kind of thing? Yes, I've got a couple of hands. They thought of that. Isn't it funny? There are different ways we use that word worship when it comes to mind. Well, over the next five weeks, we are going to go on a journey together as we think about this word worship. And this morning we're using Romans chapter 12 verses 1 to 2 as our starting point. And so let's begin as Romans 12 does with the words, therefore in view of God's mercy. So firstly this morning remember God's mercy. Now the word mercy has the sense of compassion or kindness our worship to God flows from a response to what God has done for his compassion shown to us. 
So first and foremost, worship is not about what we do. It's about what God has done. Worship is not about earning brownie points or winning God over, as if we could. You can't earn promotion with God or, or make him like you more with lavish gifts. We can't earn God's love. So other religions, they function like this. You have to earn God's favour and acceptance. Not so with Christianity. Rather, our worship is rooted in the good news of Jesus. Now, now these beginning few words of chapter 12 are a tiny little summary of the first massive 11 chapters of Romans. So these 11 chapters tell us that we rejected God, that we turned away from him, and we worshipped created things instead of the creator. Despite the world and all that God has given us, the air we breathe, our food, water, family, friends, homes, our jobs, these are all a gift from God that he's given us. Despite this, Romans says, we slammed the door in God's face. And God could have done the same to us. But remember his mercy. God sent his precious son to die for us. Jesus took on all of God's wrath that we deserve for our sins. He took on the punishment and death and judgment due to us. All of our sins were laid on him, even whilst we were still his enemies. Such is God's love for us. We are loved by God more than anyone else. Through Jesus, we can now be friends with God. Do you know that, that is a strange concept in other religions? But friendship with God is at the heart of Christianity. God invites all of us in the building and online to be friends with Him through Jesus. And we've been made God's children, co heirs with Christ, receiving the gift of eternal life. These are just a few of the many snippets from those first few chapters of Romans 11. Paul says, remember God's mercy. Think about it often. Let it stir your heart in worship. God's mercy, his love, his kindness to us are worth thinking about every single day of our lives. We, we spend our time thinking about so many things in life. So we, we think about our families. Uh, we might think about our work or school. We think about activities that we've got planned or sports that we're looking forward to watching. Uh, we think about our social plans. Uh, we think about our weekend plans. So I remember when I worked in an office um, the, the chat on a Friday is, what are you looking forward to at the weekend? What have you got coming up? And then on Monday, it was, oh, what did you do at the weekend? How was it? 
We think about politics, some more than others, quite a lot. We think about the news. We think about COVID. I think we talk about that more than the weather now. Thinking about these things is clearly not wrong. But at the centre of all that we think about should be time and space where we think about Jesus. So think about your week for a moment. Spend a moment just reflecting on your week. How often do you stop and think about what God has done for you? How often do we remember God's mercy towards us? How often do we talk about the cross to each other and what Jesus' death means to us? Let's make a change as we begin this new year. Let's commit together to talking about Jesus more with each other. At every opportunity we can. At the heart of worship, it is all about Jesus Christ. Everything else, everything else flows from this. And so secondly, therefore, we are to respond with everything. Our response to what God has has done for us is to offer our lives back to him in love and thankfulness, to give him every area of our lives every day of the week. You see, worship incorporates everything. Uh, Two quotes which I liked. Uh, Worship is not part of your life. It is your life. And worship describes the Christian's total existence. Uh, Verse 1 says we are to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is our true and proper worship. What what is a living sacrifice? So it's a funny phrase, isn't it? Well, the picture is temple language from the Old Testament, where God's people um, made sacrifices of animals, like lambs and of other produce. When Jesus died, he was the full and final sacrifice that was ever needed. He was the perfect lamb without sin who took away the sins of the world. But what does it therefore mean for us, for you and me, to be a sacrifice? What comes to mind when you think about the word sacrifice? Well, you you think of death. Something dies, hence it's a sacrifice. Anyone confused yet? How can Paul have living and something meaning death in the same phrase? Well, here's the point. Our response to what God has done for us and the mercy he's shown is that we're willing to die to ourselves. We're to die to our desires, die to what we want and live for God. We no longer live to please ourselves, but live a life that is holy and pleasing to God, one that is set apart for him. 
That is true and proper worship. In fact, the phrase true and proper means literally logical. Denying ourselves for God is the only logical response to his mercy. It's a similar picture to Jesus saying in the Gospels, if you want to follow me, you must deny yourself and take up your cross. It's one of death. So let's flesh this out a bit. How can we do that all the time? How can we worship with, with everything when sleeping, eating, walking, working, How can this all be worship? So we sometimes think of worship as the two or so hours when we meet on a Sunday. So these are times when we do worship God. And it's important to say that the Sunday gathering helps shape us together. It allows God's perspective to become reality Monday to Saturday. But the Bible's definition of worship is is clearly much wider, much broader. Our worship includes every hour of our lives, 168 of them each week. Whatever we do is to be the glory of God. 168 hours in the week. And what do we do for a lot of those hours? We sleep. So clearly, this worship might not look spectacular. In fact, it will look very, very ordinary. It doesn't mean you dream about God every night, although you might do. It doesn't mean that you sing praise songs in the office every day, although working from home has certainly made this easier. If you're a doctor, it doesn't mean that you end every consultation with the words, but the real healing you need is repent and trust in Jesus. You might lose your job pretty quickly for that. The whole life worship is doing the ordinary, everyday things in a God-honouring way. Not because it's right or good or gaining those brownie points with God, but because it is a joyful response to the mercy he has shown to us. Now there is, every day there is something we all do. Frequently we do this through the day. And I'm not talking about going to the toilet. At different points, we all drink. Think about it. When you get up in the morning, the kettle goes on, or you start the coffee machine. At the gym, or playing sport, we have a bottle of water. In the office, we have a tea or coffee. We stayed in a Premier Inn over Christmas, and the cleaner had a bottle of water to drink. We meet up in cafes. When someone comes into your home, what's the first thing you say? Would you like a drink? At church, when we meet, we have drinks. When we go to the shops, you stop for a drink. My mum takes a glass of water to bed with her. Well, our worship of God should be as natural as us thinking it's time 
for a cuppa. In fact, this coming week, let me invite you to join me in considering this. Every time, every time we get a drink, just take a moment to thank God for his mercy and ask him to help you worship him. Just imagine if we did that every time we got a drink this week. Whether that's with your friends, in that meeting in church, in the gym, or with your family. Now I know I haven't talked about the specifics of what that worship looks like. That is coming in future weeks. Your speech, your actions, that's all to come and shaped by your worship. But a key thing to take away is just how ordinary this is. Look at Jesus. Look at Jesus a moment and notice how ordinary his worship was. We often go to the last three years of Jesus' life, the miracles, the healings. But let's start earlier. Go back to the days when he was training to be a carpenter under the watchful care of his father. From zero to 30 years old, how did Jesus worship God? Did he worship God? Well, of course he did. Every second of the day, Jesus worshipped God. He didn't care any less or love any less or show any less compassion in these early years of his life. Did that look spectacular? Well, what did his neighbours say who grew up with Jesus? Matthew chapter 13, verses 53 to 57 says, Coming to his hometown, that of Nazareth, Jesus began teaching the people in their synagogue, and they were amazed. Where did this man get this wisdom and these miraculous powers? Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother's name Mary? And aren't these his brothers, James, uh, Joseph, and Simon, and Judas? Aren't all his sisters with us? Where did this man get all these things? Jesus was part of an ordinary, earthly family who worshipped God together day by day. And so whether at home or in our streets, in our workplaces, in our attitudes, finances, politics, leisure time, may we seek God's kingdom as we worship him, however ordinary that might look. But finally, to be able to worship rightly, the Apostle Paul says something has to happen up here. In verse 2, we are to renew our thinking. Verse 2 says, we are not to be conformed uh, to the world. In other words, we are not to uh, let the world squeeze us into its mould. Rather, we are to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Something has to change in the way that we think, so that we no longer think about things the way that the world does. Of, of course, we look the same as everyone else. Uh, look at this picture for a moment. There are two glasses of black juice. Do they look any different from each other? Please don't say there's one with more bubbles. <laughs> They're not meant to look any different. 
on the outside, but they are very different on the inside. One is Audi ZX Cola, <laughs> and the other is Pepsi Max. On the inside, they are very different. They have different ingredients, and they certainly don't taste the same, and they don't cost the same. You know when you're drinking the cheaper version. We may look the same as the world around us, but on the inside, we are different. God's Spirit is at work renewing our minds, changing the way we think. This might display itself in all kinds of ways, in how we respond to unkind comments, in the forgiveness we're willing to demonstrate, in the extra mile that we will go. It might be how we view the planet and the environment or the social justice that we fight for. It might be the way we reach out to the lonely or rejected or being positive when everyone else is grumbling and we choose to speak well about others. Another quote which I liked is that we live to glorify God. And God is glorified as his character, his priorities, his goodness, and indeed his power are expressed through us and our everyday lives. Isn't that amazing? That's part of our worship. These things that we've been thinking about are expressed through us. God's characteristics in our everyday lives. That sums up what happens when our mind is renewed. The word renovated is helpful. A house that's being done up and changed. That's the picture with our minds. We're being renewed or renovated. And gradually we'll become more like Jesus. Let me ask a question. Who knew fully what God's good, pleasing and perfect will was? Answer is always Jesus. Yet we're told the same is happening to us. As we are transformed by the renewing of our minds, we too will be able to test and approve what God's will is. Isn't that amazing? We too can do that. That should make you and me want to worship all the more that we can test and approve what God's will is. So as we finish, let's just consider one further thing that the renewal of the mind does. It causes you to think about yourself the way God does. Let me say that again. It causes you to think about yourself the way God does. That's all taking place. We all need that. God sees us through his perfect son, Jesus. He sees us as his children, precious and loved. And he sees us as forgiven saints, holy and adored. That's how God sees us. We need to think like that too. For that will lift our hearts in worship to God. 
Remember God's mercy. Respond with everything and renew your thinking. Let us pray. Let's pray. Let's just take a moment to think about this week ahead and to think about how we might worship God in those ordinary moments. Heavenly Father, you see the week ahead. You see the ordinariness of our lives, our jobs, our working, our sleeping, our eating, the social plans we have. And we pray that in all this, we would seek to bring glory to your name and honour to you. Lord, help us to to think about how we respond to things, how we speak, how we love each other, how we forgive. Keep renewing our minds, we pray, making us more like the Lord Jesus. And may we stop often, we pray, to remember your mercy to us. May our lives be an overflow of all that you've done for us. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.